0: Now I have had most of the life I am going to have. And I can see what my life has been. I can remember those early years when it seemed to me that I was completely adrift. And at times when, looking back at earlier times, it seemed I had been wandering in the dark woods of error. But now, at 76, it looks to me as though I was following a path that was laid out for me, unbroken, and maybe even as straight as possible, from one end to another. And I have this feeling, which never leaves me anymore, that I have been led. And I will leave that to you to judge for yourself. friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. I'm really excited to take you into an intimate conversation that was recorded late in last year. Over the last year, I had the privilege of circling up online with like-hearted men from all around the world. They were Become Good Soil intensive alumni, and also... A couple hundred of the men who applied for the upcoming Become Good Soil Intensive, and due to COVID, it was delayed. And so we prayed and sensed that we were to invite those men into a circle to do four quarterly calls with us alumni, where we are continually diving into the big questions and the big ideas that shape This recovery of the path and the process of masculine initiation. And so we've been building up with a launch for that first call over two years ago, went through an entire year, and then invited the um, applicants to join the alumni and did another year. And in December of last year, we culminated with a portion of that series with this conversation on this topic. I am being led, or as a question, am I being led? As I prayed about it, I felt like a a portion of that conversation would be a gift to this larger global community that tracks with the Become Good Soil podcast. Within the conversation, we break out from the large group into small groups, and we call them fire circles, where we get to ask questions and wrestle with topics in a more intimate and authentic manner. And during those pauses, what I'm going to invite you to do, instead of being in a breakout group on this Become Good Soil podcast, is simply to pause. To take 60 seconds and to see what rises up within your hearts for the question or the reflection that's posed for that time we also use film in this the legend of bagger vance and we'll be using an audio from the trailer and an audio from a scene but for your heart's sake i would encourage you to return back to that film just as a fresh pass it's a beautiful modern day parable that god can use greatly to speak into your heart. There's a taking action section at the end that will give some more details of where to go from here to dive deeper. Two announcements I'd like to share with you, the BGS podcast listeners, as we go into this year. I first wanted to remind you there are many men leading Becoming a King groups around the world. They might be going through the book or going through the Becoming a King experience. And regularly, I gather online with those leaders and participants to do more intimate conversation, question, response, prayer, other pieces of diving deeper into the content. And I'd love to invite you all to be a part of that. So if God leads you to go through becoming a king in any form at all over this year, you can go to king.com, scroll way down to the very end of that web page, and you'll see a section that says, join Morgan for an exclusive live online session. You can register there. And then about every three months or so, we reach out to the registered list And we give a unique registration code that all of the new participants can jump in with me for about an hour online where we can share in some of the deeper waters and something more intimate and real time. And then secondly, I want to make an announcement of something that we're working on this year that we're super excited about. As many of you know and some of you have participated, Wild at Heart Boot Camp is something we've offered for Almost two decades here in Colorado and several other nations in the world. We've had over 24,000 men, I believe, go through those. And we wanted to bring it out to more people. And so we created the Wild at Heart Basic, which is our Wild at Heart boot camp by video session. It's a choreographed four-day experience led locally by allies all around the world. And we have had more people in the last four years go through Wild at Heart Basic than we have ever ever had go through our actual wild heart boot camp live with us and so it's multiplying locally around the world so we've decided to take the content of the become good soil intensive our four-day intimate kind of immersive experiences in colorado we've done over a decade with the content of becoming a king and become good soil we wanted to take that and package it In a way that can fit in that wild at heart basic model so it's a curated and distilled four-day experience it's all free videos included worship included note-taking journals included all free and available to our men to host locally in their world so we've been filming more content for that over the last week And over the next month, we're working diligently to create that choreographed experience that will be available to all of you in this year. So we'll be making that available sometime mid-summer with the preparation and anticipation for fall and winter retreats offered by you men in your local communities. So it's called the Becoming a King Retreat. If you heard about this before, you might have heard it as the Become Good Soil intensive field edition, but as we prayed, we felt like Jesus was leading us to name it the Becoming a King retreat because all of the content is choreographed with that message, and we really think that um, people will better connect with the naming of the Becoming a King retreat. So you'll see that coming out if you're a subscriber to becomegoodsoil.com you'll get all that information it's all free coming your way mid-year but i want to invite you to pray about hosting a becoming a king retreat in the second half of the year and as we've done with wild heart basic you can make those public or private and once you sign up we give you all the uh resources that are associated with it And if you make it a public event, then people all around the world can search for your event, and it's included on our list of live events at wildatheart.org and becomegoodsoil.com. So we promote your local Becoming a King retreats. It's a great way to connect with like-hearted in your area. And we hear stories all the time of men that drive a long distance and even fly to attend Wild at Heart Basics hosted by allies. So it's a great way to connect with people. So pray about that. And now I want to take a turn. I want to start with prayer and dive straight into an intimate fellowship of like hearted, where we are exploring this deep question with curiosity and confidence Am I being led? Let's dive in. Father, your abundance your vast provision comes into every place of scarcity and Jesus your power um, is a reservoir that's ever filled to overflowing that comes into our insufficiency and spirit you're a teacher and you're a guide And you meet us right where we are, in every place where we are tempted to seize the reins. So God, in the fullness of everything you are, we welcome you into this space today. We ask, Spirit of the Living God, would you protect our technology? Would you provide a safe shelter for our masculine souls to connect, to enjoy, to be breathed, with your breath, that your breath would fill us with hope, with vibrancy and vitality. God, that you would have particular treasures for each of us. I'm asking for your supernatural connection over the breakout fire circles. And God, I pray that you would even bring stories to each of our hearts that you want to penetrate, that you want to shine your light. I'm asking, God, that you would make a deposit into your sons today, every one of us, that no one would be safe from your pursuit, from your chasing after. God, we ask for your anointing and your care and your full provision. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe I better come back when you're not so busy.
1: Busy. Well, I thought you were going to say drunk. In fact, is there isn't enough whiskey in the state of Georgia to get me drunk enough.
0: <laughs> well, how drunk is drunk enough?
1: It's all a matter of brain cells. You see, every drink of liquor you take kills a thousand brain cells. And first, the sadness cells die, so you smile real big. <laughs> and then the quiet cells go, so you just say everything real loud for no reason at all. <laughs> and finally, come the memory cells. These are tough to kill. We need someone from Savannah
0: in the match. Yeah.
1: Who's that? I could have killed you out there. Oh, no, sir. See, I set myself directly in front of you. Just judging by how you was hitting them balls, I figured that's why I'd be out of harm's way. Fag of Vance, the name. Hey, you lost your swing. We got to go find him.
0: I heard my dad tell how you won every tournament there ever was.
1: The journey you was, you ain't never gonna be again. Ever. You don't know a damn thing about me.
0: Ten years and not one single solitary word from you? You don't do that to someone you love.
1: It was too long ago.
0: No, was it wasn't. Oh, this is becoming embarrassing. Oh, no, sir. It's been embarrassing for quite some time now.
1: I can't do this. Yes, you can. This isn't your shot, Bagger. Nope. It's yours. Well, there's some storm we brewing. What was it, Adele? What did you like about us? I liked the way we danced. Inside each and every one of us is something. It's ours and ours alone. Was there something you wished to discuss? Because this might not be the right time to. always felt a man's grip on his club, just like a man's grip on his world.
0: I want to focus this session on one big question. In some ways, it's the most simple teaching, and in some ways, it's the deepest. And we've had to get through our other sessions to get to here. And so we've been on a journey. The alumni had the privilege of being on the very first Zoom call before Zoom was a thing, uh, before pandemic was a thing, I taught on the big me and the, the road to character, David Brooks. That was really where we started. And then we. the whole idea behind these quarterly calls has been the big questions of initiation. It, the idea is that apprenticeship is shaped by the questions. And so I've wanted to daylight the kind of questions that are really good for the soul to be meditating on in your everyday life. And so I, I launched it with reparenting the masculine soul to come home to God as father and mother and reestablishing that center family as the centerpiece of God in his kingdom and the work of restoration. Moved into blurring the lines, vocation, uh, family as vocation. And then we got into what's your bias and the idea of how we see and consecrating and healing and maturing our bias because our bias ultimately is intended to be a gift from God in the service of love. It's not meant to be destroyed. It's meant to be crucified and consecrated. And all of that is to get us to today. How we see shapes everything. that that believing is seeing, that we see things not as they are, but as we are. And what's so important is our masculine initiation. It, It was intended to be the orientation and the interpretation of our entire life, like moment by moment, hour by hour. There's a narrative arc to your everyday life that fits in hourly, by the year, by the decade, for your entire life. It's meant to be our orientation and our narrative arc. And so what we're trying to do is excavate these core ideas so that as you go operationally into your everyday life, you have this interpretive grid, you have a way of praying and seeing and engaging with your frontier and also with the people entrusted to your care. And so all that gets us to this question today. And the question is simply, what if I am being led? And that's really it for today. What if I am being led? In other words, what would change, really? I want to start with a quote from one of my favorite books. You may have heard me talk about it, Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry. Uh, he's just a phenomenal kind of modern day prophet in the world, a sage and a father and a farmer and a pastor and a writer. And he wrote Jaber Crow as sort of a, it, it's really his life story hidden in a memoir. What's so beautiful is he uses fiction in a way to capture the things that are most true about his soul's journey. And so in some ways, it's more true than reality. And that's why I love it. So Jaber Crow, the character in this book is 76 years old when he's telling this quote. Okay. And he dreamed of being a pastor. That's what he thought he was to do with his life, but he went to seminary and it didn't work out. And then he loved books and he loved learning. And so he thought, Oh, I'm supposed to be a professor. And so he pursued that, and the university setting wasn't for him. And in time and over time, he became a barber in a very obscure small town. This is kind of 1940s rural America. And decade by decade went on. He fell in love with a married woman, and out of integrity, he chose to to stay single because the woman he wanted to be married to and have children with was already taken actually by a very broken and uninitiated man. And so the story of his life on the outside was one of obscurity as a barber. And so at 76, this is what he says. These words are very powerful. I want you to just pause and just soak them in. He says, now I have had most of the life I am going to have. And I can see what my life has been. I can remember those early years when it seemed to me that I was completely adrift. And at times when, looking back at earlier times, it seemed I had been wandering in the dark woods of error. But now, at 76, it looks to me as though I was following a path that was laid out for me, unbroken, and maybe even as straight as possible from one end to another. And I have this feeling, which never leaves me anymore, that I have been led. And I will leave that to you to judge for yourself. Friends, this idea of being led, I wanna explore what that brings up for you. Just this statement I am being led. And what I want to suggest that this is the crux of masculine initiation. This is the ultimate kind of decision point of a maturing soul. Will we become the kind of person who learns to be led, cultivates a practice of it, and it becomes so much union with the Father that we can become like Jaber Crow, where he says, Looking back, I now see, in fact, I was following a path laid out for me, perhaps even the straightest line possible, a path unbroken. And I have a feeling that never leaves me. And friends, that's the most haunting piece of that, a feeling that never leaves me. I am one who is being led. Fundamentally, we are in a culture That's steeped in hyper individualism like that's the hour on the earth and everything in our culture perpetuates this until we find ourselves in need stuck at the end of our rope or in crisis and there's something about the effect of consenting to being led that it dismantles the hyper individualism of our day universally for each of us it heals our attention, and it heals our affection. And the phrase that I love to use is it cultivates a sort of curious consent. Curious consent. What is God up to? And so I want to take this question of being led. Am I being led? And I want to start with a five-minute breakout, and I want a confession. I want a story from each of us, and I want a story that demonstrates, yep, not living like that like recent, where you go, I'm kind of doing the good man thing. I'm doing the, I I walk with God in general and I'm loving people in general. But when I'm honest operationally, I'm not living as a man being led. And I'll give an example like from yesterday. So 20 years into our marriage, you think we would have solved the whole thing of, we have a very large family in the East Coast, in the Pennsylvania area, very large family in the Midwest. And it's constantly this war of buying plane tickets, tug of war, holidays. And so it's always an area of contention. When Joshua was in playoffs for football, uh, state championship is Thanksgiving weekend. And our sense, we were led to not buy tickets was what we thought. And I still believe God was in that. So then they lose this weekend and we're done. And we grieve and it was this it was an epic, uh, huge loss and part of our initiation, Joshua's initiation. So it's Sunday and now we have to reconfigure everything and I can feel anger, frustration, um, pressure rise up in me. And then I just throw into the strategist gear and I do all the research. T- tickets are exorbitant, can't find a realistic flight and you can't find nonstops and on and on. As I look back, my entire process of trying to secure tickets and make decisions, do we go? Do we go to the Midwest? Do we go to the East Coast? It was utterly void of God. Now, we talked, and there were even moments we prayed, but it was void of being in Christ and genuinely having a posture of, in this moment, Holy Spirit I'm yours, and you have permission to lead us however you want. Um, Tune to your voice, and I have confidence that you will speak and I will listen. And it's been a mess. And that's my story, and that's where I find myself. So all of you BGS podcast listeners, this is where we break out into a fire circle. And instead of a discussion, I want to invite you to pause for 60 seconds. Just recover your breath and stay with that question. What story or example comes up for you? And what do you notice your reaction is to that story? Let's pause for 60 seconds, and then we'll pick back up with the teaching. Guys, there's just something powerful about what I would name as this confession, right? Of just us, of like, yeah, me too. You're not alone. Like, um, th- this is like, this is, as I said, this is the crux. Like, we are getting to some of the deepest layer when we wrestle with this idea of being led. You see, there's, there's really two fundamental ways of being in the world for the masculine soul. And, and one is fundamentally rooted in self-sufficiency. It's it's the self-determined life and you can be a really good man and you can love God and you can walk with God and live very self-sufficiently. And the other is is consenting to the reality that we are designed for dependency. It's just stunning to think of our utter dependency on food, on breath, on water. And then we live like self-sufficiency will save our souls. And when I say there's two fundamental ways of being in the world, what's so important, you guys, in this space is it's not the whole person. It's parts of the person. You see, there's part of me that's 45 that can actually be in Christ and hear his voice. And then there's a 13-year-old in me, the strategist kicks into gear. And so I'm I'm angry, researching tickets, finding best deal and checking this site and trying this thing. And what if we do this? And all the while, it's part of my soul that's not under Christ. And so there's this other part that's just tired. That's just tired. And he starts pulling away from Sherry. And so when I talk about the two ways of being in the world, understand that there's parts of us inside our soul, some of which are living in Christ and some of which are not. And so this is deep work. But here's the spoiler alert is we come into this message chasing after God and the the brilliance of God is taking this journey where at 76 and hopefully before we go through a process where we realize we are the chased after one. And that's just the admonition of Psalm 23. It's meant in a psalm to take us through. None of the circumstances change. But David's heart cries out to God, God, I need you. I need to remember who you are and orient to you right here and right now. And by the end of the psalm, he says, I find myself as the one who is chased after. And Oswald Chambers has a brilliant writing on this. He unpacks 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where he basically talks about these two ways of being in the world of either choosing God or saying yes to being chosen. And he talks about the fatal flaw of choosing God is we get to keep it on our terms. And so, I mean, he brilliantly talks about how he says we get to actually exploit the Bible. So this is a brilliant book, Oswald Chambers, The Completed Works. He says in it, when we choose God, we get to exploit the Bible because we pick and choose. You know, we kind of play devotional um, ping pong and just um, grab the pieces that are good for us. He says, whereas the man who is chosen by God and wishes to live in his grip, it costs agony of the process. But. But. He becomes the kind of man where God can say, this is my man, this is my woman, and never choose to be a worker. But when once God has put his call on you, woe to to you if you turn right or left from that call, for God will do with you what he never did with you before the call came. He will do with you what he is not doing with other people. Let him have his way. And what's so powerful about this idea is Paul, Paul basically shows us his theology. Paul is kind of um, one of our, our most helpful guides in masculine initiation because we see this entire process of a life without God, extraordinarily gifted, given over to the service of the false. And he's a persecutor of Christians. He's a radical conversion. And then as you know, there's 14 years of silence. That's his decade of excavation, plus four, right? And he's becoming, the kind of man that can say, Romans 6 and 7, I'm aware of this civil war within me. There are two people fundamentally at work, and I've become so mature that I'm aware of how immature I am. Do you hear that? That that is encouragement to you, brothers. I have become so mature that I'm aware of my immaturity. And so therefore, Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And as he grows, he becomes the fount of happiness. He gets what Chesterton says, absurd happiness, right? Chesterton says that Jesus says of his disciples, there's three things. His disciples are guaranteed. You can be completely without fear. You can be absurdly happy and you can be in constant trouble. That's what you get. Paul lives that life absurdly happy without fear and in constant trouble. And he becomes the man who goes through his initiation, who says, whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. So he actually cultivates union. His life is yielded. And literally he says in Romans, he, he, he kicks it out where he says, I am on assignment. I am on assignment as a bond servant, as a Slave to Christ. And that's the freest position for the mature disciple. And that, it's so important, you guys. I used to read that as I don't want to be a slave. Like that has a negative connotation. But you realize when we're made for dependency, designed for dependency, you are a slave to someone or something. And so what is it or who is it? But to be a slave to Christ is the ultimate freedom. Because you find your life in his grip. And so that's why in this, it's this beautiful writing by Chambers where he basically says that the first thing a worker has to learn is how to be God's noble man, God's favorite son, God's chosen one amid a crowd of paltry things. That is to say, like, in what feels obscure or meaningless or not what I'm supposed to be doing, Sherry and I were reflecting on this recently, and we said, you know the brilliance of the pair of a metaphor of trees that are deeply rooted? They don't get to move. <laughs> like you don't have the option of by default just saying, I'm ejecting. You start by where you are. And the question is, how do you send your 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 roots deep? He says, God buries his men in the midst of paltry things. No monuments are erected to God's men. Often they're ignored, not because they're unworthy, but because they are in the place where they cannot be seen. Right? The story, looking back, I thought I was in the woods of error, wandering. He says, who could see Paul in Corinth? Paul only became marvelous after he had gone. Think about that. All God's men are ordinary men made extraordinary by the matter he has given them. God puts his workers where he puts his son. And so friends, What I I want to explore together is this idea that Oswald Chambers talks about in his grip. That's really his idea of what does it look like to let God have his way. We're all in this apprenticeship in masculine initiation. And the intended impact is to become men of joy, absurd happiness, as Chesterton would say, right? That literally it effused from Paul's body even when he was in jail. Because he found himself amid poultry things, but he was a man not choosing God. He matured through that. He chose God, but now he's responding to the audacious call of Christ to say, I will be where you have planted me. I will be in your grip. And that joy is fueled through asking to receive his life according to his will and not our will. And so all of this work is to sort of observe your soul and locate yourself and be curious about what stands out that's in the way of being a man who finds himself mostly being led. I want to become like Jaber Crow where it's 76 or hopefully instead 66 or even 56, where more and more of the time, more and more of me can say, I have a feeling that never leaves me, that I'm being led, that my story is a narrow path of the straightest line possible, a path unbroken. I'm to go in the story of Legends of Bagger Vance, and you'll see it. The story of three famous golfers, Bobby Jones, Walter, Walter Hagen, and, and Randolph Juna. And so, you know, everyone knows Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones, but Randolph Juno used to be a great golfer. And then he went to war and got serious wounds, and, and he lost his swing, right? It's just a beautiful analogy because he's coming back in the grip of God. But he lost his swing. And he comes back after the war, and the short of it, he's he's called back to golf through this Holy Spirit figure that's his caddy, and he starts playing pretty well. And then he falls apart again, because he starts relying on the self-life in his own gifting, chasing after good things, being a good man. And so what's so important about this scene is it's a parable of what happens to our masculine soul in initiation, where we get a little bit from God enough, we figure out the way things work and the patterns of the kingdom in the book of Proverbs. And then we start operating. I, I love John's phrase, he calls it the kingdom without the king. We start operating in the kingdom without the kingdom. And our lives become very self-sufficient. And so then you find Juna in his cynicism that's actually just a cover for pain and he's just medicating. And then through that, his caddy, this Holy Spirit figure has his attention with enough pain to say, let me show you a picture of a golfer who's living in his grip, who has his swing. So just sit back, take it in as this curiosity, as a parable of the question, what if I am being led?
1: Oh, yes. Greatest game there is. Right, Hardy? Yes, sir. The greatest game there will ever be. Just you and the ball. All by your lonesome. Hey, I think it's time. Time for what? time for you to see the field. The field? I see the field, but it's 445 yards long. It's got a little red flag at the end of it. It's 12 strokes ahead of me. Come on. That ain't it. Because if you seen the field, you wouldn't be hacking at that ball like you was chopping weeds out from under your front porch. Just give me the club. Sorry I brought it up. Here, you're going to take that hack away. Sophia. Fix your eyes on Bobby Jones. He's a piece of work here right now. in the man room. Man room. Knock it out there, Bobby.
0: practice almost like it's searching for something so our audio listeners there are definitely pieces that are hard to capture in the audio of this scene in the film if you've seen it you will remember this brilliant moment of bobby jones and of juna being taken into his soul through Bobby Jones of this authentic swing, that he's a man who has moved through a sort of death and recovered a greater life, a man who, in watching his golf swing and watching his way of response and mastery, it could only be described as a golfer that he's a man who is being led. So Paul, you declare that you are on assignment and you have been authorized as an apostle to speak the words of life and do the activity of the kingdom as a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And so we take our place as the like-hearted, As a slave to Christ, our greatest freedom, we announce this is our most free place as ones who are made for dependency from our God. We ask that you would um, open the eyes of our heart, that as we enter into your kingdom, we see God as you see. I pray that you would allow us to take a long, thoughtful look at what you created, God, your people, how you've created your people, to see your eternal power in the mystery of your divine being. And God, I confess that us, like others, in many parts of us, turn our hearts away from you, and we worship the gods we make, instead of the one who made us. And out of that turning from you, God, we refuse to know you. And we refuse in knowing you to become fully human. And it begins a dark spiritual spiral downward in the human race and in our own soul. But God, we're reminded that you are kind, but you are not soft. And in your kindness, you take us firmly by the hand and you lead us into a radical life change. You are the God setting things right that we read about. And you come as Jesus setting things right for us, not only for us, but everyone who chooses to believe that you are the one and you are coming to set things right. And Father, this is what we learn at the center of our masculine soul, that God, you do not respond to what we do, but we respond to what you are doing. And I confess in this culture that's fast and furious, that's hyperly individuated, I confess the knee-jerk reaction is to tell you what you should do instead of respond with curious consent to what you are doing. But God, in you, we're figuring it out, little by little and part by part. Our lives get in step with you, God, and all others by letting you set the pace, not proudly or anxiously trying to control every dynamic of our kingdom. We choose to remember your story, that it's a God story, that we could never do it for ourselves, no matter how hard or long we work. Trusting him to do it, you to do it, God, is what gets us set right with you. To trust you doing it is what sets us right with you, and all of it is a sheer gift, beginning with you and leading into our response. God, your promises depend entirely on trusting you and your way and simply, simply embracing who you are and what you're doing. And Father, we call to mind Abraham, as Paul reminds us to call. He was first named father when he didn't feel like a father. And then he became father. He became his name because he dared to trust you God to do what only you God can do and you raise the dead to life and in a word made something out of nothing and this is a story father that we can orient our souls in alignment to because the same inheritance made fully available to your son Jesus galatians 4 tells us is made available to us here today. When everything was hopeless for Abraham, he believed anyway, and he decided to live not on the basis of what he saw that he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And God, we just confess that Abraham plunged into the promise. He plunged into the promise when he couldn't see, and everything felt hopeless. And as I speak that, I just name, there are things in us that feel hopeless. And it feels like we're a breath away from losing so much ground, losing our own faith in certain aspects of our masculine soul. And so right in this place, God, we receive your promise We receive your belief, though we cannot see. We throw open the doors to you, God, and discover that at the same moment, you have already thrown open your doors to us. You say that those who trust in your actions, God, find that your spirit is in them, living and breathing the life of God, breath by breath, that you've cultivated a culture for our soul to live in this human landscape where our dependency on breath, our dependency on beauty, on water and food was meant to give us an on-ramp every moment of every day to receive and declare our dependency upon you. Father, you remind us with obsession with self in these matters is a dead end, but attention and affection towards God leads us into the open, spacious place, the free life. Focusing on the self-life is opposite of focusing on you, God. And when we're absorbed in our self-life, we ignore you, God. We don't have eyes to see or ears to hear, and we think, frankly, more about ourselves than you. We ignore you and what you are doing. But God, you are inviting us afresh to allow you to take up residence in our life. You can hardly be thinking more of ourselves than God when he's living and breathing in us and we are aware of his living and breathing of us. We see in the original and intended shape of our lives, we find your imprint. We find it in you. And God, after you made the decision of what your children would be like, you followed it up and you called us by name. You call us by name even still on this day. Remind us of our name, Father. Would you recall us back to our names? Remind us that we first found our identity in you by looking into your eyes, by seeing your face, by reading your face to tell us who we are. And after we know who you are, and after we know who we are in you, God, you have promised to stay to the end, gloriously completing what you have begun. See, behind it all, God, and underneath, you are reminding us that there is a holy, God-planted, God-tended root. And we are not feeding the root, but the root is feeding us. God, you have generously let us in on what you are doing. And sometimes we're not sure what to do, but we know, God, you know what to do for your sons. You've got this. So here's what I want, God. We need your help in our everyday ordinary life, in our sleeping, in our eating, in our going to work, in our walking around, in our vocation, in our assignment, in our life and walk and calling everything you've entrusted to our care to steward it, we place it before you, God, as an offering. And we choose to embrace God. We choose to embrace you. We choose to become so aligned with you that we can loosen our alignment with the culture. And we find that we're the kind of men that fit in less and less. We fix our attention on you, God. And we ask that you would transform us from the inside out. Father, we want to become men who are being led. We want to walk in this theology of one who is being led, that we can become like Paul where he says, I have passed through my initiation and I have become the kind of man that whatever I am and wherever I find myself, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. That Paul says, now that I have passed through my initiation, I am ready for anything, anywhere. I confess, I want to live in your grip. I want to see clearly of my path as the straightest line possible. I am a son, I'm a student, I'm a king in your kingdom and I don't want your kingdom without the king. I receive you as my king and I say, I am one who is being led. I believe help heal, my unbelief. Come into this place, Jesus. Come into this place, Holy Spirit, and come into this place, Father. Come into this place. Friends, I'm after unbroken lines, and I know you are too. So I want to give you some homework. God will shepherd you through it as deep as you are wanting or you are willing to go. And so, for you audio listeners, I want to share four taking action steps that I shared with the BGS alumni on this teaching call. And they go deep. So, you walk with God and see how deep you want to go. But they are all referenced on the page on Become Good Soil for this podcast episode. So if you go to episode, I am being led at the bottom of that post, everything that I'm referencing, links to get resources, questions, quotes, ideas. So the first, there's a note card that you could print out. It's a PDF that I want to invite you to put somewhere in your world. It says, I am being led, and I want you to try on for one month this idea. What if I am being led? I want you to place this note card or just simply those words somewhere in a prominent disruptive place on your path. I want you to actually say them out loud to yourself every day for 30 days. Linger on it and look for his leading. Just notice as this idea, the question Am I being led? Turning into the statement, I am being led. Notice as it meets you in your everyday life, there there are kind of four things I'm going to invite you to notice. First, notice when you are most aware of it and notice when you're most clueless to it. In other words, this kind of mantra, notice in your ordinary everyday life when you are aware of being led and when you are clueless to it. Secondly, notice what is primarily in the way of your soul consenting to being led. Third, notice what part of your soul is mostly in the way right now. Remember, there, every one of us contains parts of us. We are disintegrated humans, with different parts of us that are different ages and different stages of masculine initiation. And so for me, one of the, sh- the questions that Sherry often lovingly points out to me, why does the strategist always have permission to drive the bus? It's a painful and brilliant observation because ultimately the strategist was the imago day in me in the service of the self life? He was the one that saved me apart from God. And so, my default kind of mode in my relating and living is for the strategist to take the reins, to drive the bus without ever consenting to God and testing this question of, God, where are you leading me? And so my question to you is, notice, what part of your soul is mostly in the way right now with this invitation to be led? And then fourth, notice, what is the effect of practicing and confidently resting and trusting in God's leading. And so over these 30 days, my hope is that you can immerse yourself with this mantra, I am being led, I am being led, and then you start seeing it, believing is seeing, and now notice what is its effect on your body, on your soul, and your relationships to actually begin to become aware of it and receive it and follow this leading in your life. So all of that is kind of part one. Part two, I prayed some scriptures from Paul, and I would like to make a summary of those scriptures available to you and just how I, I prayed through that. And so you can find those scripture references on that Become Good Soil podcast link. Third, I referenced Oswald Chambers at the beginning of this teaching, and it's pulled from a book called Approved Unto God. The chapter is the worker. So I have the complete uh, collection of all of Oswald Chambers' writing, which is a stunning resource. Uh, you may be interested in that. I'll put a link. But also the Approved Unto God uh, chapter on the worker. Basically, he is simply unpacking 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, verses eleven twenty seven, and it's short, but it is really rich and really deep. And I invite you to prayerfully meditate on it. And finally, if you haven't already, I want to urge you to read Jaber Crow. It's really joyful. Um, it's a wonderful memoir. It will invite you up into the mystery, the wonder, and the application of this big idea. And so, friends, as we wrap, I want to first say, go back to the website, find these taking actions. If anything, if you only do one thing, find the note card to print, I am being led, and put those words somewhere that's prominent and disruptive. And in closing, as we did in the circle with BGS alumni, I invited Pablo Cerrone, my ally from Wild Sons, to pray For us. And so, in that same spirit, I want to turn to that prayer, invite all of us to close on this prayer. And then, as always, there'll be 60 seconds of silence to recover your breath, to become aware of your attention and your affection, to reorient those scattered parts and places in you back into the presence of God. Linger, hear his voice, and be with him before you go anywhere else. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon.
1: Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, we turn our hearts to you again, and we pause. We have been feasting. What do you want to highlight for me today? Jesus, what do you want me to walk away from this call with? Jesus, I open my heart to receive what you have generously given me this afternoon. I receive it. I consent to the portion you've set aside for me. I choose to believe I am being led. Jesus, for me and for every one of the men in this group, would you continue speaking and guiding and leading? We are giving you our yes to being led. We will follow. Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us a heart to experience you step by step moment by moment day by day decade by decade you have our yes we ask that what you planted in our hearts today may be sealed by the power of your holy spirit according to the will of the father that nothing may be robbed and that these seed planted today may bear fruit 30 60 and 100 times in the next days and in the next decades. Jesus, you have our yes. Thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for this brotherhood. Thank you that I belong, that I am here for you have chosen me to be part of this community. Thank you for loving me. I receive your fathering, I receive your mothering, Jesus, I receive you again as my older brother. Holy Trinity, I am yours. Amen.